Welcome to Being the Dot. I'm your host, Dr. Stacy. Each week, we invite a guest or guest to share the experiences of being black, brown, red, or yellow in white spaces. Our topic today, black mental health in the news. From Shikaria Richardson to Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, Tamar Braxton, Taraji B. Henson, Brandon Brooks, Charlemagne the God, Black mental health has taken center stage in a way that it has not before in the discourse. Today's guests have the chops to have the conversation because, again, I have the opportunity to talk to a group of my colleagues' therapists, Dr. Maurice Batiste, Michelle Richards, and Amber Pearson Bowen. And yes, Pearson is a relation. Michelle Richards is a licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of Raymer Consulting and Psychotherapy. She has worked as a school psychologist since 2001. She served at high schools in Brooklyn, New York, Walton County School District, and Henry County School District. She is certified as a school psychologist in three states, Georgia, Illinois, and New York. Ms. Richards also serves on the board of directors for Broken Silence Ministry and for Superior Learning Academy. She is a member of Delta Kappa. Ms. Richards also holds a bachelor's and master's degree from the State University of New York, SUNY Oswego. She is currently finishing her doctoral studies at North Central University. Dr. M. Lawrence Batiste is a school psychologist working in the inner city of Atlanta. He has 23 years of experience in working with special needs children, 10 years as a special education teacher, and 13 years as a school psychologist. Lawrence's major areas of focus are dual exceptionalities. He is an adjunct professor of multiculturalism at Ambient International University. Dr. Baptiste earned his doctorate from Ambient International University in Educational School Psychology in 2019, as well as holds degrees from the University of Louisiana at Monroe as specialty in school psychology and a master's in school psychology. Southwestern Louisiana, Masters of Educational Leadership and Gramlin State University in special ed, mild to moderate. He also holds certifications in elementary education, special education, mild to moderate, special education, gifted slash talented. He is a reading specialist. He holds specialization as well in instrumental music, educational leadership, and he is a national certified psychologist. Our next guest, Amber Bowen Pearson, is a licensed clinical social worker associate and psychotherapist in the state of North Carolina. Amber specializes in servicing children, adolescents, adults, couples, and families who suffer from the following, behavioral concerns, personality disorders, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, childhood trauma, traumatic grief, identity concerns, work-life balance, and racial trauma. Amber is a passionate clinician who takes pride in helping others serve her community. Outside of her practice, Amber is a wife, mother, and active participant in her community and church. Amber is an avid reader and enjoys spending quality time with her family. Amber received her BS in criminal justice from Eastern Carolina University and her master's degree from Hunter College's Silberman School of Social Work, a nationally renowned social work program. Please welcome to the podcast, daughters, Michelle Richardson, Dr. M. Lawrence Batiste, and Amber Pearson Bowen. Woo-hoo! Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. So we have a lot to talk about. There has been a lot in the news about what the heck is going on with our folks. 
Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear you talk some first about when you heard about just the stuff that's happening with the Olympics with Shakaria Richardson and Simone Biles um, and, and Naomi to a lesser degree at the, the, the Olympics, mm-hmm. but certainly it's not been that long when she said, hey, y'all making me anxious, I'm not doing this. What was your initial reaction when you heard that they had, well, Shakira not on her own, but made the decision to step out of sport and competition and that they was real that they were really struggling as it relates to their mental health issues. For me, to be honest, I was I felt a sense of pride. Mm. I mm-hmm. I was um I was happy that she did not feel the need to carry the weight of a country on her shoulders at the expense of her mental health. Well, um, haven't felt- we done that enough for this country? Oh, yes. And so I think that is why um, I felt so proud of her. And even with uh, Naomi Osaka, I felt I felt proud of her, too. The fact that she was able to say, you know what, I have to take care of me, Um, because I think especially as black women, um, we're always giving and we're always thinking about others. And we very rarely take time to take care of ourselves. And so the fact that we are valuing ourselves enough to say, okay, you know what? Even though this is something that I want, I am more important. What about you, Dr. Baptiste? I see you trying to jump in there. I agree totally. I I, 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 I 100% agree with that. Um, often we consider strength to be pushing ourselves. We're going to make it through it. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to, and for so long, that has been taught that if you didn't push yourself, you're not strong enough. You're not worthy enough. But guess what? That's wrong. When I, when I can say, and when uh, uh, Ms. Biles said, hey, I'm not in the right mental space. I refuse to let my ego. That's good right there. Everybody say, I'm the GOAT. I'm the greatest gymnastics, you know, of all time. I refuse to let my ego stand in the way of other people's success. That's strength. That is. That That's is. power many people do not have. That's good. That's good. Go ahead, Michelle. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with my colleagues on this. I was. Um, it was surprising to me that she did take that uh, stance and that step um, a lot of times we suffer silently. So we will look at someone like Simone Biles and, and Naomi Osaka and Shakari Richardson. And um, we will look at these women and look at, you know, they've accomplished at such a young age it's true. in a lifetime that we would never, you know, in my wildest imagination. But we will look at those things and say, oh, look, this is wonderful. Look at their performance. They must be well. And um, mental health, that, that uh, earmark of it is silence, mm-hmm. silent suffering, um, but especially within our mm-hmm. community. Because over the years, over the decades, we have learned to, um, like what Dr. Baptiste said, we have learned to differentiate between the strong black woman syndrome, right? Especially the last couple of years to comb through this and say, no, this is not strong black woman. This is, I'm about to lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. Right. Well, it's interesting to me as well, and and I think you both uh, you nailed it that that there's a difference between being strong and having strength, right? And having strength is strength is stable. Mm-hmm. Being strong is not. Mm-hmm. And what Simone decided to lean on, as as far as I see it, is having strength. But the yeah. interesting piece to me is that she won nationals with broken toes in both feet. And worlds with the kidney stone. Mm-hmm. And, but she still made the decision at, at, at this moment in time to, uh, to stop out for her mental health. Yes. Um, yeah. And I got something to say, like, that before it even happened that day, because I, I love the Olympics, I love all types of sports. And that morning before it happened, 
I saw an interview with her mom. Mm. And her mom said, this is the first competition we have never been to. We have been to everyone. This is the first one. So you're looking at emotional support. Just looking up in, I could do, I could run five miles with emotional support. I can't walk around the corner, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but the thing about it is, if we are not whatever ritual that we have, and I don't know, you know, because a lot of athletes have rituals before they step out on the, the street, there were steps that were missing in her brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, this may be saying, okay, mom, dad, I see y'all. Let me go do what I got to do. Right. She didn't have that. I agree. It's, it's so hard for people to believe that that's important, but it is important. That that emotion is so important that, that to have, that you know, no matter what I do, somebody has my back. My village is there. I could go face the lions. I could be uh, 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 Daniel in, 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 in uh, Pit for the Lions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I saw an interview she did where she talked about um, she wanted to retire um, because this would be one of the first competitions, especially on this scale, after um, kind of working through and disclosing that she had been um, also assaulted by that physician that or trainer that was working with the girls. Yes. So that just shows he was a physician, Larry Nassar. Right. So mm-hmm. that just that just goes to show like trauma. trauma. She didn't have her support system. This was a large scale. She was carrying the weight of the, the world on her shoulders. And I think it was strong that she saw I am not fit right now. I saw I am going to step out. I'm gonna let one of these other young ladies have the chance, you know, to go for the gold mm-hmm. and really allow the team <laughs> to do the best they can and be successful without me because I know I'm not in the right state bringing them down. Well, one of the things I wanted to add to this as well, the conversation as we consider and conceptualize black athletes in, you know, the sports arena is, you know, I always echo Dr. Frances Cress Welsing <laughs> when she said, you cannot talk about black mental health in America without addressing white supremacy. And I love, love, love that statement. Um, and taken from the, the goat of psychiatry, we, we cannot minimize what Naomi Biles have gone through the last several weeks with, you know, um, her techniques and being rated a little bit higher um, than her peers. So while Black folks are expected to operate within the parameters of what um, Amber mentioned about trauma, you know, and and broken toes and, and all kinds of stuff going on, we have this added pressure of being Black on a stage and being Black in a country that has historically minimize our pain, um, historically make us, um, you know, I mean, these, it, I'm in Atlanta and the, with the heat index, we're at a, over 100 degrees. And I can't help but to think what our ancestors must have felt like mm-hmm. from sun up to sundown. But yet, pregnancy was minimized. Sickness was minimized, you know, so it helped, you know, to help put into perspective that here's this girl who has all the issues of a regular young lady and the added pressure of being black in America on the stage. Same thing with Shakaria Richardson, same thing with um, Naomi Osaka. We're being told that her and, and, um, who was her competitor? Um, Serena? Serena could not share the same, you know, occupy the same spaces can only one black girl can get it you know right so it's all these things that add to mental health yes uh one of the things that simone has said is that she is the only person dominique Dawes said that simone is the only person who is still competing who is on the floor who is a victim of larry nasser that all Uh those other people have have retired and uh one of the things that dominique Dawes was interviewed by gail king and she was very supportive of Simone Biles. 
And she said, I'm glad to be tired because I, I could not compete against her. It was one of the things that she said. But the other thing that she talked about was that gymnasts are not, they are um, trained to be robots. Yeah. And not to be in touch with their feelings. And so the fact that she is clued into her, because if you're a robot, robots don't have feelings. You're just flipping and doing the things that you're supposed to do. And that the fact that she is in touch with her feelings enough to be able to check in with herself is pretty extraordinary. That really resonated for me that this notion of the the disconnect from your little body, uh, which is how people play through I think about Mary Lou Retton, pay, play with broken whatever or with kidney stones or um, in Simone's case, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So one thing about gymnasts, a lot of people don't realize, especially women gymnasts, they have to lose so much body fat that when you lose so much body fat as a female, your period stops. Absolutely. It's like having an eating disorder, loss of menses. Mm-hmm. And so this imagine she is 24 years old. And there's a lot of things, you know, y'all women, of course, I'm preaching to the choir, uh, that she may want to do, have kids of her own, get married. And you, you see, uh, I was watching the, the Olympics because it's my, one of my favorite things to watch. And there are women competing until they're 30 years old. But And, and so you got you to gotta say, is this healthy for my body? Is this healthy for my mind? So it's like a depersonalization, right? And depersonalization—it is. It is a, a disconnect. That's yeah, exactly it, it's what it is. that. That uh, you, it's a, it is a trauma response too, right? Depersonalized. It is a trauma um, response. It is a coping mechanism, and she's been taught to cope this way. She's been taught to get through life by depersonalizing, and at some point. Uh, can you unpack depersonalization, please, Michelle, for our listeners? Because okay. <laughs> all three of us know what you mean, but you know. Well, my colleagues, you can jump in as well. So depersonalization is really, as what Dr. Stacey said, it's a disconnect from anything you feel or think. It is a state of um, just becoming tunnel vision. It can, it is, it can be healthy. Mm-hmm. In the moment, it is a coping mechanism that can get you through traumatic acute traumatic, say you're in a car accident or, you know, you are attacked physically or there's some disaster occurring around you. It is your body's way of saying, listen, I need to preserve your sanity. So I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to turn off that emotional part of it to protect you from, from essentially for a lot of people having nervous breakdowns. You bet. So it's a common coping mechanism for people who have gone through um, sexual assault, um, childhood traumas through uh, being sexualized. Many um, sex workers will talk about depersonalizing. You'll probably hear someone say it was just happening to my body and I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. You bet. That's great. That's a perfect explanation. (laughs) Thank you for that. Go ahead, Amber. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw on her last event that she actually participated in. I always forget what the event is called. Um, vault? The Vault. Yes, on the vault. You can see they slowed down her um, her tumbling or her flipping through the air um, on that last event. And it was com- a completely blank face. Like nothing was there. Like the lights were not on. Mm-hmm. Um and then when she messed up the landing is like almost jolted her back to where she was. Hmm. And she tells you, she tells you, I got lost in the air. Yes. But you can literally see her lost in the air. Well, and, and the interesting thing about that, scary. too, it is scary because that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing that Dominique Dawes and I heard another gymnast talk about this is that when the, the getting lost in the air can can make you fall in a way that you break your wow. back or that you're paralyzed so that you are severely injured. And so, um, and so there's. So that. imagine working hard so to perfect techniques and then being told, Hey, we can't rate you because what you're doing is so difficult. So then, you know, that's the added part. I mean, it's like for any one of us who um, are in school and we do such a bang up dissertation and they say, Hey, guess what? You know, we really can't give you this doctorate because you've raised the bar on dissertations. You know, it just, you, you work 
hard. It's, like, it's like them saying to Michael Jordan, well, we're only going to give you one. Right. Even because no one can really do what you're doing. So imagine that. Imagine just putting your body and your soul and your mind into your profession, your craft, mm-hmm. and then being so what are, let's talk to let's talk to um yeah. richardson and young woman whose mother died she smoked weed and she peed dirty and we know. have not heard a, about mom passing away what we heard was she knows better she knows better she should not have smoked weed but we have glossed over that this young lady heard from a reporter your mother has passed away she did not she was uh-huh. not even aware of this she was right. not even aware of this, but then it goes back to what I believe we are, our pain as black women, as black people is always minimized. It's always minimized. You can push through that. I mean, you had no right to smoke weed. And I, when was the last time that weed was an enhancer? Like then I should, you know, can somebody tell me when that became an enhancer? Well, and it, it particularly, this. go ahead, Dr. Baptiste. First of all, and I don't know the whole story. I, I, I read some of the things because I, uh, I understand that you guys could correct me if I'm wrong. She did not grow up with her mother. And for some people, for, for whatever reason, they think just because you didn't grow up with your mother and your father, you have no emotional connection. I have no idea who you are and where <laughs> you got your degrees from. <laughs> but okay, let's go with that one. And so, you know, I think apparently her grandmother raised her. Her mother was probably, I think, a, a drug addict and all that stuff. What gave you the audacity to tell somebody they mother passed away? Exactly. I'm sorry. You should need to be fired right then and there. Absolutely. That's true. That's, that's one. That's one. Two. What have cannabis ever been used as an enhancer well and the thing is where she smoked the weed was a state where it was legal exactly it was totally legal and she admitted her fault there there was nothing else in her system she was dealing with and and, and i know because i dealt with it myself for my fault you dealt with being abandoned Yes, absolutely. You dealt with the lost time. You you dealt with we can never reconcile this, so we can say and all that was gone. And somebody, like I said, he should have been fired, but somebody should have said, you know what, you're wrong for that. Yes. Somebody should have said, hey, let's cut this interview off right now. Uh Please call somebody in your family. Please call your grandmother. Uh, I think you need, they need to talk to you for right now. Right. The insensitivity. Yeah. But, um, but that's human decency. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it very clear. That's not a black issue. That's a white issue. Hispanic. That's called human decency. And, I, and I'm sorry. A lot of people do not have human decency. Anymore. I agree with you. So what do y'all think about Naomi Osaka? Yeah. Amber, you want to start us there? Um, I do, but I want to I want to just touch a little bit on Shakira Richardson Um, with that. And I guess it goes it bleeds into Naomi as well. There's always been this misconception. And I know that we said we were going to talk about white supremacy a little later on. But I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that has always been a misconception that the black community, whether male or female, has this higher threshold or tolerance for pain, that you should be able to work through a higher level or a higher threshold of pain. Um, But we're human, you know, and our threshold is not any higher than anybody else. And that expectation or this misconceived notion, I think, is what is is what really hurts the mental health of a lot of these young these young um, athletes and these young people in general. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, this misconception, you lost your mom, but you should have been able to cope with it and still run on the world platform and, you know, do what you're supposed to because you know the rules. But we all know rules go out the window when you're grieving, especially when the possibility of a relationship with your mom or reconciling with your mom or anything with um, somebody that's that you want to be close to 
is snatched away from you in that in that that way. Um, for Naomi, I was proud of her as well. Um, I didn't really know much about her story, um, but I I thought it was great that she was able to say, you know what, I need a mental health break. I'll come back when I'm ready. And you know, it is what it is. I did see a lot of people comparing her to like, oh, if a male, if a black male athlete like LeBron said, hey, I needed a mental health day, he would have been, you know, chastised for being weak and a quitter. Um, so they're letting her off easy by, you know, whatever, I guess, response she received. And I think all of that is just absolutely crazy, whether you are male or female. Well, and the thing with Naomi, this is what I loved most about that whole situation. So basically, Naomi set a boundary to say, I'm not doing press conferences. Right. They increase my anxiety in a way that increases my performance. And so I'm not doing it. And I know I'm going to have to pay a fine. I have enough money to pay a fine. Right. And so I'm good with it. And then there was all the pushback, right, um, about her privilege that she could pay the fine and right. blah, blah, blah. And this is going to set a precedent and on and on and on and on. And then she was like, I'm out. And and that that's what I really kind of, and, and I think we all probably have had situations where we've tried to set a boundary for our own mental health. And the white supremacy system was like, um, no. You don't have that right. right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she did set a precedent, but it was a wonderful precedent for her to set. Like, okay, you know what? I have Beautiful. boundaries and I'm not going to let you, you know, overstep them at the end of the day. And I would like to think that she, you know, she kind of set a standard for black women to say, hey, you know what? Like um, Auntie Maxine said, I'm reclaiming my time. We're not going to do that. <laughs> We're not, not going to do that. You're not going to overstep That's my good. boundary. I'm not going to let you. Go ahead, Dr. Batiste. So I'm going to say this. Strength comes in very different forms. Um, about three, four years ago, I don't know if you recall this, Marshall Lynch and a lot of other athletes, when people say they have to give interviews or they get fined, they have to give these interviews. And they have always said, I'm not in this mental space to give this interview. So you look at Marcia Lynch, other athletes, especially men, big, tall, muscles is coming out everywhere. And here's this, I don't know how tall she is. She's probably like under 5'5". Five, five. Girl, say, hey, I'm going to say the same thing. This is my mental health. It's more important than that 25K fine. And I know I was reading something that, uh, that they were thinking about taking it away from her. But that, and I hope they do. Because it's going to set a precedent for all other athletes to say, and I remember this one time, um, Eli Manning, he lost a horrible game and he went to the press room. <laughs> there was nobody there but one person. And he was able to give that, and you can see the look on his face. Like, I'm not here, but I'm just going to do it. And it was like, it was crazy. But I think more and more of these uh, NBA um, NFL, all these other sports agencies should, should look and say, are you in a mental space to do this right now? But also, Naomi also <laughs> did say that a lot of those questions, you know, and that, that was another thing that she said, like a lot of these questions were neither, there weren't edifying questions. And for her, it's, you know, for her, she's saying, what what is the purpose? You know, it's like, like I will reclaim my time. What Like I am about to waste 30 minutes of my life here after I have done something the majority of you cannot do, but yet you are, you're putting me in a hot seat. And we, I mean, we see it too, where some athletes will kind of lose their cool during, during, you know, and I can appreciate when they say, be honest, you know, I'm not even going to answer that question. That's an irrelevant question because a lot of times I think two reporters can be, um, you know, they can be provocative. Provocative. Yeah. So, so on that note, and I still haven't watched it because I'm not in a mental place to watch it, but I've heard great things about it. The Mary J. Blige um, documentary on Amazon. Yes, and yes, I, yes. Was, I watched it. They say, a quote Mary said, she's like, I know being in the public eye, I have to share a lot of things with the public, but I can't give you the things that's going to cut me deep. Right. And it seems like the reporters in white America 
and even some black America want the information, you know, they want to see the white meat. And it's come a time that, okay, I'm a public figure, but this is all you're getting from me. I have to preserve myself. And you have to save some for your own self. Like, I don't owe you everything. But, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I right. kind of went there just now. And I, I guess I'm wondering if, if we can talk a little bit about black pain and white America's response to black pain. Well, we shouldn't have any. (laughs) And it's twofold, right? It's twofold. So one of the things that I find fascinating about therapy and fascinating about the field of psychology is that what is normal is always pathologized within our community, Mm -hmm. right? And what what is abnormal, what's out of the blue, People tend to say, oh, it must be in your head. Hence our high mortality rate for black mothers, even in a country like the United States of America, where, you know, controlling for socioeconomic status and education um, level, black women die more due to pregnancy complications. Um, One of the things that's very startling was when um, Serena had her baby and she kept complaining about pain. And it goes back to what Amber said. There's this sense of, oh, you're not feeling any pain. You can take it. okay. And it wasn't until her husband said, y'all gonna pay attention to my wife. And there was a blood clot in her body. And this woman is an educated woman with a high SES. So in America, uh, black black pain is no such thing. And, and part of it, I'm gonna push the envelope a little bit. Black pain makes America think, right? It makes America, it pushes America, America to talk about what is the origin of this pain? And they cannot handle the origin of the pain. So then we come up with the pseudoscience of, well, there's crime. Well, well, you all kill each other. So if you all kill each other, then what's your problem? And it, it goes to that white fragility and they hate that. I agree. And, and, and it's interesting because for me with Simone, I think that, that I did not see a lot of empathy from none um, folks, from some, some white people. So if Shakaria Richardson, uh, Naomi Osaka, or Simone Biles showed up in your office as a client, mm-hmm. and my guess is that you've seen some derivative of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, what would you be thinking, and how would you be counseling them? Me first, I would give them some, some applause and some hug and say, you did what was right. I don't give them nobody else to say. I'm gonna, I, I will do positive and 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 I'll ask them just like I guess my other coworkers would do. It's like, what would you like to work on? Because you know, therapy is driven by the client. So honestly, and I know it's kind of bad to say this, but I'm like, okay, I think you're there. Now, I mean, I know you got you got things to work on, but just that ability to step back and to look at the whole picture. Sure, you far. Beyond most people are. So I, I, that's that's what I would say. I think okay. for me, um, again, I would congratulate her on taking the step because that step takes courage. And, you know, the courage to say, first mm-hmm. off, I noticed that something is not right. I need to take a step back. And then, hey, I'm going to seek some help to help me get to where I know I need to be. I think those are amazing mm-hmm. steps. But also you took a step with your platform to show other little black girls that look like you like, hey, if something does not feel right, if you do not feel emotionally safe and sound, one, it's okay to say so. Two, it's okay to step back. And three, it is okay to find help. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. especially in the black community, there's a stigma with mental health that we are still trying Mm -hmm. to overcome. Um, And I definitely Mm -hmm. think that she helped put a dent in in that fight. Mm -hmm. I think I would have these women look at exactly what you all said, what they need. I think, you know, especially when you're dealing with black women, and I know black men have their, you know, struggles. Absolutely. Our brothers have their struggles. But I think when it comes to black women, we take so much ownership of everybody and everything and ownership for America. Like it almost makes me cringe to hear people talk about some old Biles have let her team down. No, you're angry that she let that she's not representing a country that is not going to love her back. Um, But I'm not going to chase that bunny. But I think what I would get, what I would connect with is what do you need? 
as an individual, as a person, what do you need? And start mm-hmm. there. Do I need love? Do I need affection? Do, what do you need? Do I need time, support, peace, nothingness, something? What do I need? And you'd be surprised how that is a hard question. Indeed. Indeed. I, and I, I think I would be thinking about the loss and um, and identity. And what I mean by that is that even though she made this difficult decision, there is likely, I should say, a sense of loss about and disappointment about what she had dreamed that experience would be and how it was different than what it was. And I think yeah. the other thing that is pretty um uh, salient for me or um, in, in the front of my head is this notion of identity mm-hmm. because yeah. now she is going to have to rebuild herself and her life not around her sport mm-hmm. wow yes. and, and to that also in the public eye like you have been America's That's princess right. you know That's that right. your identity yes. has been wrapped up in your ability and now you have kind of mm-hmm. fallen from grace so what does that look yep. like a little bit. I think that was coming anyway, to be honest with you, because anytime an athlete leaves the floor at whatever age it is, even when we uh, transition from different careers or retire, we, we all get so wrapped up in our job because we enjoy doing what we do. And when we finally have to let go, you know, turn in our keys, turn in our badge and everything else, we have to develop a new identity for ourselves. Is that identity, you know, going to be traveling, is that a new job? So that's a given step anyway. And, and I would tell her, I say, okay, you were heading this way anyway. You know you were heading this way. You probably got here sooner than you anticipate here. And that's understandable. And that's a loss. And that's a grieving process because you, everybody predicted that you'll get five, I think it was like a five extra gold medals this Olympics. Wow. And, wow. And, and sometimes that's, and she would have been the woman, I think she still is at this point, uh, the, uh, the woman with the most uh, gold medals, uh, uh, medals period in any Olympic game, uh, all of it. And Sometimes we we got to push pull back with these expectations on people. You know, I know you've been making A's all this time, but it's okay if you make a B. You're not a failure. You're still a success. Hey, you doing your doctorate degree? You made A's in every class. This is your last class. It's okay to take a C. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't stress yourself out over it. But it's, it's but we put too much pressure on people, and we need to learn to stop putting pressure on other people. Well, and my point for asking that question was, I think that there's a little bit of Simone Biles' story, or Shakira Richardson's story, or Naomi Osaka's story in all of us, mm-hmm. in some shape, form, or fashion. And so, whether it is setting a boundary or getting lost in the air, whatever that equivalent is for our lives, mm-hmm. or or making a mistake that had broad sweeping repercussions, um, like like Shakira, um, and finding out that the rules apply to you and maybe in a way that they don't for others. I, th- I think that all of the things that the four of the three of you have provided, or the four of us have provided, ha- I think it's useful for our listeners to really think some about, so what What am I going to do when I have an identity shift or transition or I'm suffering from panic attacks? How am I going to take care of myself? Or what am I going to do when my trauma is so present that it's difficult to do my job or difficult to function? And so um, I think that's part of what makes it salient for, for everybody. And one thing I want to mention about trauma, like you said, sometimes trauma can impact our bodies, you know? So we, we repeat, I think what we have to realize um, 
as human beings is that while we may have emotionally or mentally worked through a trauma, it can still impact your body. You know, there was uh, the other day I was on the treadmill and I was working out on a treadmill and my body experienced, my body physically experienced the anxiety as though I was physically in it, going through something that I went through. And I noticed that on the treadmill, I had to work that out on the treadmill. And my first mind was to stop. And I want to encourage your listeners to know that um, if you are black, brown, yellow, red, everything you said in the beginning, even your white listeners, because none of us are exempt, right, from stress or traumas or or things that um, life that is challenging, especially this past two years as, as a, a, a global society, we went through some stuff. But when you have the added pressure of being black in white spaces, you have got to take the time to be mindful of your mental health. You have to be, especially if you're a parent. And I think we talked about this before, Dr. Stacy. especially if you're a parent. Parents, your children will be as healthy as you are. That's good. My motto my motto is a child in crisis is a family in crisis. So you have to take, you have to be mindful. My single mothers, my single fathers, my single parents, be mindful, be mindful about what it is you need and collect your village and collect your resources and be mindful and purposeful about your mental health. Mm -hmm. That's really good. That That's really, really good. Yeah. I think one of the things so that I, I would leave, you. I'm sorry, just to piggyback off of her real quick, if that's okay, Dr. Stacy. That's um, fine. One of the mm-hmm. things that I I would also leave is leave yourself, give yourself grace. You know, you're not always going to do, do it. And, and that would be something I would tell those athletes as well. Give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Shakari, you made a mistake. You were in trauma. You know, you were in grief. It happens. Um, mm-hmm. But it's okay to give yourself that leeway to say, I made a mistake and bounce back. It's, it's definitely not going mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. the end all be all. You bet. You bet. Dr. Batista, do you want to give any parting words? And then I do have a last question for you. Another question for you. I, I, I think we all have realized that it, it takes strength to say, I'm not here. Um, yeah. And I think more and more people need to, to say that and not just, you know, buy out because if you just keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself, you come numb to the pain. And when you keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself, you're going to need more therapy. Put it like that. The more you push yourself, the more therapy you're going to need to unravel all those things you've been balling up inside your head. I, I would also add, thank you for that. I think it's important to stop out and to tap out um, every now and then. So I just got back. I, I started back to work today. I've been out of the office for two weeks and I did not check email. That is the first Yay. time ever, probably in my entire career, that I have disconnected. It felt so good. And I felt like this. If anybody, if anything horrible happens, they're going to call me. And so there's no reason for me to be plugged in that way. And you know what? Everybody was fine. I mean, even in Paris, y'all, yeah. they called me. And so, <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that it's important to, and, and it may not be a two-week vacation that was magical like I just had, but it may be your own kind of staycation or just ways or like you taking off every first Friday or whatever the case may be. Whatever you can do for yourself to try to manage this life. Because life is not yes. easy. And, um, and I'd like to see a lot of religious institutions like mm-hmm. churches and mosques and synagogues. I'd like to see them step up and be a little bit more um, disseminating of information and resources to their parishioners. I, and I think there's some that are out there that are doing that. But I do think it's a great Wonderful. place, uh, particularly in our community, to start. To start. So here's, here's my question that I have for you as well. And I've asked this question of every um, guest that I've had on the show. Some people like the question and some people do not. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing 
that you believe that white people can do to create space. So, listeners, what you can't see is Dr. Batiste is making these faces at me that are hilarious. Like, what? Um, Anyway, what's the one thing that you believe that white people can do to create space for Black pain and to help facilitate mental wellness for Black, Brown, Red, and Yellow people? Who'd like to start? Amber, why don't you start? Um, that's a loaded question. And to me, I, I, I guess what makes it loaded? Say more. Oh yeah. that's It's a loaded question because it's hard, especially with, okay. So living within the confines of, you know, white supremacy, that's really, uh, unfortunately, that's really the only structure we know. So to, you, you Mm -hmm. almost have to kind of envision, um, what this like perfect world would be in order to give an answer um, to to that question. So for me, I guess it would be giving them, giving the giving us the space, you know, to say, okay, this is how I feel. One, to be able to take it. Two, don't be trying to tell me how I feel, you know. Don't tell me how to react. If I want to take a knee, don't tell me that that is wrong. And then when I protest, tell me that that is wrong too. What what do you want me to do? I have all this rage. I'm feeling some type of way, but I can only express how I feel the way you want me to express how I feel. And you don't even know how you want me to express it. Um, So I think it's really just kind of getting out of the way. They are allowed to express how they feel, however they want. And, you know, it is what it is. You're, your sports team loses a game, you ride and burn up buses, and hey, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But somebody in our community... Rambunctious is, youth. Yes. But somebody... Where would be born? Somebody in our community is killed, and we protest, and, you know, it is, oh, you know, all the political Antifa leftist or... The Marxist, the Marxist. Or it, it can't just be, hey, you know, this is a community in pain. So at least give us, you know, give black and brown people the space to determine how they feel and express it the way that they want to. We don't always need white intervention. We don't always need, you know, that white savior to come in and say, that's beautiful. Let us be. I just need to amplify that. We don't always need white intervention. I'm just going to let that sit. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So, Michelle, you want to go next? Well, so I'm thinking about this question as Amber is talking, and I agree. And I think uh, part of them resisting being Karens is to take care of their own self, right? Take care of what, if I say racism, and it's as though I said boo to you, they need to work out where where is this coming from? You know, when I talk about racism and I talk about slavery and I talk about critical race theory and you are feeling ashamed or you are feeling um, that you're being picked on, then I would I want for white people to really have the conversation with themselves and their families about what is it about racism that hurts their feelings that they internalize because there's an internalization that's going on and they need to unpack that. That's how they can create a safe space for me when they themselves have done the work. That part. That That part. part. Dr. Batiste? I was going to say the same thing, but I was going to say it in a different way, but it's going to come out the same way that Michelle said it. So in graduate school, I think we all, because we all went there and all that stuff, and we took these psycho classes and everything else, my professors were always saying, what are your biases? Because we all have them. What are your biases? So one, one, recognize what your own bias is. Because that's the only way that you could defeat your bias. I'm not saying that you're racist, but when you look at me, what do you see? And who do you see? Do you see a criminal or do you see an educated psychologist? Who do you see? 
Because if you, every time you look at me and all you see is a criminal, it doesn't matter what I got on. Right. And you need to recognize that in yourself. But the first thing you'll jump to is I'm not racist. I'm not, I didn't call you racist. I said you have some biases. And if you don't realize what your biases is, then you are a racist. My thing is if the first thing out their mouth is I'm not racist, we need to, it sounds like you need to take a step back. And I say, of course you are. <laughs> That I think that for me, I, I what I'll add to this discussion today at least, I don't think you get to grow up in this country and not be affected by the fog that is racism. And if I, as a black woman, with a brother and a daddy, a, two sons and a husband that are all black men, and I carry a little bit of internalized racism when I sleep with one every night, how do you not have some? Right. Come on now. So stop playing that you just admit it. And so we can keep moving mm-hmm. and, and that it, it not somehow be the kiss of death because as long as we continue to see racism as individual unkind acts. Yes. And not the system that it is that we will never as a country completely move beyond it. Exactly. Period. Point blank, as the kids say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that part, right? Well, thank you so much. This has been a very rich discussion. I really, really appreciate the three of you taking the time to to do this this evening. I think that our listeners will benefit from it greatly. Um, and why don't you tell the people where to find you? Amber, you want to start with your private practice? Oh, again, I am located in North Carolina, and I am currently working at Prayer Practice. It's Victory Family Counseling. Um, that can be found at www.victoryfamilycounseling.org. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is therapy with Amber underscore B. Awesome. Very good. So you can find me. I'm in the uh, Atlanta, metro Atlanta area. I am also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, And if you wanted to reach me, you can reach me at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, at RaymaConsultation.org. That's R-H-E-M-A, Consultation.org. And I'm Dr. Batiste. I do apologize. I have not started my private practice yet. Can you please hear me up? I am. I, well, I, I'm doing so much. I'm going back to school, um, working on this postdoc. But, um, but, and I don't do social media, guys. I'm sorry. I don't have any uh, active social media accounts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there. But right now, I, I need my mental space. And, and I can't do social media right now. And we support that 100%. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Y'all have a good night. Good night. Thank, thank you. you. This episode was edited by Nikki Anderson. Special thanks to our interns, Amanda Gillette, and other contributors. Our music is provided by Jaffa. Being the Dot is sponsored by davidsdeliciousdelights.com. davidsdeliciousdelights.com custom-made, personalized cakes, pies, cookies, and pastries made with a dash of Southern flair. Visit davidsdeliciousdelights.com and use the coupon code BEINGTHEDOT for 20% off orders of $34.99 or more. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.